is the Inside Edge. Your home for Blue Jackets news and conversation. Sponsored by Honda Marysville and Mumu Express Car Wash. Proud partner of the Columbus Blue Jackets. Here's Bob McElligot and Jody Shelley. Welcome to the Inside Edge. It's being presented by Honda Marysville. I'm Bob McElligot and I'm with Jody Shelley. Coming up in today's show, we're going to have Max Domi, Blue Jackets forward. He will join us. He's uh, red hot right now. We'll talk to him about that. Jody, right now, the Blue Jackets... You know, it's, it's getting a little bit better. It's uh, it's getting a little bit above line in the way they played in that homestand. I, I know they had that one game against Florida where they gave up the three-goal lead in the third period, but they bounced back nicely against Dallas. They got points in both of those games against the Dallas Stars, and now they're getting to a real, a very important part of the season. They've got the Carolina Hurricanes tomorrow night and Saturday night on the road, and then they come back home and take on the Hurricanes two times at Nationwide Arena. A four-game series, two on the road, two at home, unheard of in the National Hockey League unless you're in the middle of a pandemic. Yeah, you know, it, it, isn't it something? And, and when you look at um, the last few games, you know, both teams that were that played the last two games got three points, you know. And, and for Dallas, they're a team that's chasing Columbus. For Columbus, they're a team that's chasing, chasing Chicago. So really no ground gain for the Dallas Stars. Um, when you look back at that seg- that game and that series, okay, now let's move forward. And, and the team you're chasing in Chicago, um, they haven't played. Uh, they're a team that's now going to line up against the Tampa Bay Lightning, which the Blue Jackets will have, have to play those games. It's a team with the same amount of games in hand, and they're just four points ahead of the Blue Jackets. With all the talk of, uh, uh, of kind of, uh, uh, what's happening with this team? You know, they're, they're not playing well. What's, you know, where are they going to finish? Uh, you know, Nashville's a team that's chasing Dallas, two good teams with high expectations, but I don't mind right now where the blue jackets sit. I know Carolina's playing well, uh, but they just lost to Detroit. They were on a tear. Uh, so anything can happen in this division. It's really strange. Uh, and I think, you know, just the circumstances, and we talked about it before, we talk about it all the time, the team that wins the first game usually has a letdown for the second game, and, and it's just, it's human nature in any kind of situation like this, so, you know, it's going to be, it could be a classic wild Blue Jackets finish down the stretch, one of those ones where they understand the games they have to win. They understand where they sit if they don't win a game or a few series. And if you look at where the trade deadline is on April 12th, it fits in in a perfect part of the season for the Blue Jackets. Starting with this four against Carolina. Uh, then you've got a little segment against Chicago and Detroit. And then you've got Tampa and Florida. You know, the big teams that are rolling and chomping up uh, the entire National Hockey League when it comes to the standings. Um, so, and that ends just before the trade deadline, about six days before. So this segment with the Carolina, uh, hurricanes for the blue jackets, Bob, I think they have to go at least 500. I know they want to win all four games, but if they can go 500 and then do some damage against Detroit, against Detroit and Chicago, get ready for Florida and Tampa, which they'll be ready for. Cause those teams will bring the, the juice out of them. Uh, then we'll know exactly where we stand with this team. But I think even 10 days ago to two weeks ago, you know, people wanted to say, oh, it's getting late early and, and, and all that. Uh, the signs we're seeing from the team, how they're playing better, how they're playing. Uh, there's glimpses of them uh, playing as a unit. Uh, I think there's a lot to be excited about. And I said, we're going to have Max Domi on in just a bit. He just had uh, back-to-back games he had, in the uh, two games, the Florida game, and then the first game against Dallas. He had a goal and an assist and he looks, he finally looks happy. He finally looks comfortable. He finally looks like a guy that's 
starting to do the things that the Blue Jackets knew he could do when they traded with the Montreal Canadiens to get him. And that's a big boost because, you know, we talked about him uh, when it happened, what a big part he was expected to be on this team. And and I know it's been a struggle for him. He's only one guy, but he's a, a really important piece of what's going on here, isn't he? Absolutely. I mean, it's night and day what you see with Max Domi. And it just, it's a great example of uh, a player's confidence, a player trying to do too much. You know, you get to a new team. Um, you're, it's not normal circumstances. You can't get to know the players really well. You can't hang out in the locker room. They can't get to know you. Uh, you know, maybe they don't know what to say to you. Maybe they don't know how to deal with, with you and, and what you're struggling with. Maybe you need a hug and they don't know it or they can't do it. Well, I mean, all those things are factors, right? Um, I'm going to go back to the schedule I talked about. It's Carolina for four. And then it's sorry, back to back Detroit and then right to Tampa and then Florida and then Tampa. Uh, so that's the uh, that's the series that uh, they'll know what they're at. I just wanted to correct that. But yeah, it's uh, but I think now when you see a player and, and listen, Warinsky's a guy who struggled for over 16 games without scoring a goal. What, what, you know, the players and how they feel and, and how that how their approach is different and, you know, how they're kind of frozen when, when they're going through those things. And when that that weight is lifted off their shoulders, everybody feels good. So I, I get the sense of Roslovic being uh, demoted a little bit, held off the power play, um, told to, to play more intense on his battles. You know, his appreciation for playing with Atkinson and Domi, you can see it, it's evident. Um, but, but I still sometimes feel for him because, you know, he wants to make the right play. He wants to do everything well all the time. And that's hard to do. It's hard to uh, try to focus on being the perfect player, uh, especially at the center ice position. And, you know, his numbers haven't been great and that would affect him too. But when there's people doing positive things around you and getting off the schneid, uh, it lifts a lot of baggage for the whole team. And I just love the way they've defended better and gotten out of their zone quicker. Um, you know, the attack will come. But guys like Domi Atkinson and, and Rosovic feeling it, that's a wonderful thing for this this team. Another guy that's starting to feel it offensively, and I think it's because he feels good and his defense is improving back to where we're used to seeing it, Zach Wierenski. He was key in both the Dallas games. He scores a goal with four and a half seconds left in overtime to win the first one, comes back the next day, and the Blue Jackets can't generate any offense, gets into the third period. You start to wonder, are they ever going to get anything? And boom, it's Zach that does it again. Uh, that's a great sign because you could break down a million things with this year and, and what's gone wrong this year, but the points generated from the blue line, especially from Zach Wierenski and Seth Jones, just haven't been what we've become used to seeing from those two guys. And maybe, maybe Zach's going back in that direction. Yeah, it looks like it. It feels like it. Uh, he's kind of getting freed up. Um, and, and, you know, you can tell someone to relax. And we talk about that all the time too, Bob. You can tell, oh, relax, everything's going to be fine. Just don't think about it, you know. It's, it's hard to do because you want to be, he scored 20 last year. What's he thinking about every time he's up in the ice and the puck goes wide or the goal or it gets blocked or, you know, it just gets in your head a little bit. That overtime winner was massive for Zach Wierenski. And the very next game, he's up in the play. He's noticeable almost every shift. What we're used to seeing. Uh, there was one point where Seth Jones was going to do a no-look pass across in front of the net miner, full width of the zone in the D zone uh, as Dallas was forechecking. And it's a good thing he took a peek because just as he looked, he realized that Zach wasn't to his left. Zach was up ice. And so he held it back. And, and I don't know if you remember that, but it's just, I like seeing that because that means Zach is, you know, there's, 
there's there's a reliability with both of those guys, but there's also um, a freedom with them. And when they're playing that way, I think everybody feeds off. So, uh, and it tells the team team concept is coming in a little more, and those guys can trust uh, the players around them to cover up when they are up ice. So a lot of things go into it. Uh, I think the fans being back is one of those big things for a lot of these guys, especially the guy we're going to be talking to and Max Domi. Uh, but I think, uh, like, you look at Bjorkstrand getting hot there too last week. That's a big deal for guys like Wierenski and, and Jones and guys that the, he's a familiar player who plays a familiar way. And I think with him feeling good, uh, I think that kind of took the lid off of this tightness that they've been playing with. And I wanted to ask you about Bjorkstrand. Do you think that they finally found something with line A and Bjorkstrand on the same line? And I know that Riley Nash was in there. And then in the last game, he kind of flipped out for Nick Felino to come and play center on that line. Again, the center position, it's not going to get fixed right now. It's just a fact. Uh, no, uh, you got what you got and you're going to get through the year like that. But uh, do you think they found something with line A and Bjorkstrand together? I think so. And I think the, again, I've used the word for Cam and, and Roslovic and, and Max is appreciation. You know, I think uh, a guy like line A, they've been trying to move players around and, and figure out who's going to play where. Well, Bjorkstrand got lost in that entire shuffle. He's the one guy that, as a player that's been a go-to guy, a battler, a guy that's learned the hard way, he got lost in the shuffle with the new pieces. And, and I think his emergence and his, you know, kind of, he was a little bit disappointed in that. He gets on that line and brings a spark. And, and he's a guy that holds onto the puck. He's a guy that uh, always finds the, he can m- create the passing lane available with his legs. And, you know, when the player has the puck, he's looking for passing lanes, not to make the turnover. And Oliver's a good guy getting in the position to be available almost all the time when you look at him. So uh, I think there's a level of, uh, of excitement from Oliver to play with Patrick. I think he wanted to be there all along. And I think I don't mind fully, you know, that Riley Nash does a great job too. They're like anchors. They they're, they're there in the defensive zone to cover it up. They're there in the offensive zone to make you feel comfortable. Uh, they're guys that can play in the attack, get in the face of the opposition and move the puck around. So two guys, very similar. Uh, and I think those those two guys will interchange as, as things go on. But I do like uh, Felino playing with a little more bite there, too. And, and he wants to be there. So maybe there's a little competition, a little back and forth, which all, we always talk about. It's a healthy thing. You talk about Bjorkstrand getting lost in the shuffle. And I feel like for whatever reason, uh, that's almost always been the case with John Tortorella. Uh, Oliver Bjorkstrand can get lost, whether yeah. it's by his doing or whether it's just by Torch trying to fix other things and, and, and he forgets about him. Uh, when you played, did you play on teams where there were guys like that that it just seemed like, oh, yeah, that guy, <laughs> you know, he, yeah, oh, yeah. He, he always got a bad break? Always. And, and, you know, those are the players that, I mean, they're not the playing the loudest. The game, the heat gets turned up in the game or there's a, a situation where someone else is, is uh, making more noise out there. And they're the go-to guy. And then you, you look next to you and you realize, geez, you've been sitting next to me a while. That's not a good thing. And, uh, you know, the coach will remember. And it's usually a third-line, second-line winger, third-line checker guy, um, may, maybe a top-line guy that just absolutely the skill or the lightness on the puck or, the, you know, it's something that, that they're going through. That's how it works. And especially with uh, when you're down on the bench and I, and I learned this as a player, you don't really think about it because you're locked into your position. You're locked into, I'm going to, when you're up on the bench, I'm a left winger. I, and you're the left winger. It's on the ice. I'm waiting for you to change. That's all I'm focused on. Right. And uh, when I got down between the benches to do broadcasting and, and realized as standing there in a suit 
everything that's going on around me and players moving and referees and pucks. And you can't see anything really from behind that bench. I mean, you got to be, your eyes and ears have to be your assistant coaches. Your players need to speak up once in a while. Like, Hey, who's up. And I used to play with players. that used to do that a lot. Hey, we're ready to go. And it's like, well, I mean, what, that's kind of like, what are you doing? You know, but the coach is like, all right, you're up. And, and I realize now that there is, there's moving, moving pieces back there. And, and uh, that's where you see a guy get lost, especially if he's sitting, sitting at the end of the bench. When you see a player sitting at the end of the bench, it's like, oh boy, you're going to get lost somewhere in, in this universe behind the bench. And they're just going to be forgotten about. That's why you always slide down to the middle. <laughs> like you always say, and I know this isn't the case, but the, the grocery stick, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Next time you're in the grocery store, Bob, and, and the person in front of you, which I don't know if it happens anymore with how the grocery stores are set up, but, you know, their groceries are there. You put that grocery stick down, that separates their groceries from yours. So, yeah, it used to be the – if you get stuck as a grocery stick, uh, you're separating the defenseman from the forwards. <laughs> <laughs> not a good place to be. No, you don't – You don't, that that should not be your job. If, that's, if you're just a reference point, uh, you might want to start moving around the bench. <laughs> All right, coming up next, we are going to hear from Blue Jackets forward Max Domi as the Inside Edge presented by Honda Marysville continues here on 97.1 The Fan. Welcome back to the Inside Edge presented by Honda Marysville here on 97.1 The Fan. I'm Bob McElligot with Jody Shelley. And right now, we'd like to welcome Blue Jackets forward Max Domi. Max, I think it's fair to say there are not many guys that look as comfortable on the ice as you do right now. So you just tell me, be honest with me. Is what I'm seeing correct? Do you really feel as comfortable as you look out there? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I think it uh, sometimes it takes a little longer than, than it should to, to get that confidence going, but uh, it's nice when you get it, and that's how you get better. So um, working through those tough times isn't always fun or easy, but um, it's uh, – it's definitely worth it. Makes it uh, makes it worth it when you get through it at the end. So, just trying to help the team out any way I possibly can. And um, I think as of late, we've been playing some better hockey, and um, we're already at the halfway mark. So, um, we're going to buckle down here and get some wins together. When we talked to you way back, right after you got traded to the Blue Jackets, uh, you know there was great optimism. You're so happy. And uh, what has this season been like for you up until these last couple of games when that confidence started to come back? Uh, has this been one of the toughest stretches that you've had? since you've been playing the game, I won't even put it on a professional. How about since you've been playing the game? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's, again, that's part of it though, right? It's, uh, it's just going to happen. You're going to go through ebbs and flows, but um, it's not always going to be easy to, sometimes you go out there and just like anyone else, you go to work and then work feels easy. It feels easy to talk to people. It feels easy to, to, to do your job, whatever it might be. And it's no different as a hockey player. Um, sometimes it's just, things aren't clicking and um, you just kind of take that upon yourself and break it down slowly and, and work through it and, and whatever way you can. So for me, it was just trying to be a good teammate and work hard in practice and get some extra reps in and just trust that eventually if you stay with it, it's going to come. And um, that's just how I was raised. My, my dad always taught me that just stay with it, stay with it. And um, you know, that's how it works. So uh, still got a long way to go. Don't get me wrong, but uh, definitely feeling a lot better out there. That's not easy, Max. So like you talk about it, it, once you're in it, it's really a struggle and uh, everyone wants to go over and help you. Everyone want, has something to say, but I love what you just said there. You just kind of simplified things, right? And, and focus. Now, is there someone you talk to? I know you're close with your dad. Is there other people that are professionals or people that you lean on that you can pick up the phone and say, well, you know, I just, I'm struggling. How do I get through this? 
Yeah, there, there's there's a lot of people. Um, and I'm not going to get into names, but there's uh, there's some people that have had their own success, and then with success comes a lot of ups and downs, and there's a lot of failures that come with that. You got to fall on your face a few times before um, you can kind of stand up and run, so to speak. So um, most successful people that I know have always gone through some sort of similar thing, and, uh, and it helps to talk to people, just like anything. When you're struggling um, in, in life in general, you just it helps to talk and. Um, to, I mean, people want to help you. They want to help you through it. And whether it's a teammate, a coach or a family friend or a family member, whatever it might be. Um, I really leaned on a lot of people and I'm super thankful for, for all their help and including guys in this locker room. I mean, look at a guy like Nick Foligno, for instance, he's, he's, he's been there for me since I got here. And uh, it's, it's tough because when you're going through stuff like that, usually with, with normal circumstances, you can, you can work through it in a, in a way that um, is, is with the team and stuff. When you don't have that, um, ability to do that it uh it gets a little tricky so um he, he helped me a lot and uh so so did all these coaches and, and everyone else in this locker room and i'm very thankful for that well you know max it, it's uh it's part of being a pro and um you're, you're very good at it and and i i look at john tortorella and i have to be he's really aware of the circumstances because you know he's he's been patient with everyone but i look at you and i see the fans not in the stands and I think, and to correct me if I'm wrong, when I watched you play before you got here, you were a guy that not only energized the fans, you, you could tell it was a bolt of lightning for you. And yeah. just having a few fans in the stands, that's got to be a factor, and that's got to help how you like to play your game and, and how, you, how you approach it. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I think you look at the first game we had fans was in Nashville, and that's the, the first game that I started to – I mean, turn the corner here. So, um, yeah, I'm, that's how I've been my whole life. Um, you can ask my mom. I'm sure she'd tell you. <laughs> I, I enjoy playing on the biggest stage possible. And uh, people call it pressure or whatever. But, I mean, you can feed off of that and uh, make sure you're a better player. Um, and, I mean, I, I hate saying that because you don't want to be someone that can't play unless it's like a crazy atmosphere or a big game. Like, you have to be able to put – there's 82 games in a season. And there's preseason games. There's – there's playoff games, whatever it might be, and you have to get up for every single game the same way. I mean, you look at the best athletes of all time, guys like Michael Jordan or or Tom Brady or, or whatever it might be. Those guys are are ready to work every single day, whether it's in practice, a preseason game, or, or whatever kind of game you want to call it, um, and they're and they're preparing to be the best on the field. So um, that shouldn't change. Um, it, it's a learning curve, though, because obviously this year was was pretty evident that I struggled without that ability to play in front of a, a big fan base. Um, or a capacity crowd, whatever you want to call it. But um, for, for me, it's just I got to learn how to how to deal with that a little bit better, and um, got a long way to go. But I think I'm, I'm getting there. All right, we're we're talking with Max Domi with the Columbus Blue Jackets, and I want to follow up on one thing. When I watch you out there now, you're a completely different player, I, just because your feet are moving, you're making unbelievable passes. And when you first got here, you said, "Yeah, I'm a, I'm a pass first guy," and I was like, "Yeah, okay." Every, you know, everyone that does that, they you know, they struggle a little bit, but Man, oh man, the way you anticipate the play, how quick you are with your hands. But I also see an appreciation from Roslovic and Atkinson that you're on that line. Do you feel that? Do you guys feel energized to play together? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, first of all, I mean, I, I love to make plays, obviously. And, and, and a pass first guy, I'm not kidding when I say that. And, and honestly, it's always a good thing. Um, there's a lot of times where I'll pass up a uh, grade A opportunity. So I'm working on that. But, um, you know, playing with a guy like Cam who – He's one of the purest goal scorers in the game right now. Um, he gets open, and, and his job is, is to put the puck in the back of the net. So for a guy like me, it complements me really well. And, and Jackson playing great hockey. Obviously, he's uh, 
he's still learning uh, the position of center. I mean, just like everyone is. I mean, it's a tough position in the game, and he's doing great. He, he, he skates. He really demands the puck to the middle of the ice. He can transition from D zone to O zone pretty quick. He makes great plays, and um, he's very deceptive too. So I think the three of us are having fun. Um, and that's what it's all about. If you're having fun out there and you're making plays, that's that's how you build confidence. And when you build confidence as a line, you build confidence individually. And then all of a sudden, you, you start to feel really good about yourself. So um, it's definitely fun. And obviously, I mean, that could change as of tomorrow. We don't know. But um, for, for now, we're, we're really enjoying ourselves playing together. You know, Max, I want to follow up on that just a bit there, because when you talk about playing with Jack, you know, at the beginning of the year, you were talking about your hopes to play with Cam, and you are on that line right now. And and Jack, even though he's learning, how big is the speed factor that he brings to the middle of that line, especially because, you know, he can keep up with uh, both you guys on either side, on either side of him. But uh, how much is that speed a factor for driving that line? Um, You know, the speed's definitely a part of it, but um, it's not so much like, oh, he's not like the – He's not Connor McDavid with, with like, I mean, full on the goal line, he's going to beat Connor McDavid. That's not the case. It's just he's fast with the puck and he's fast because he can make the right decision. And um, he also doesn't get shy of, of traffic. He can carry the puck through the neutral zone. And I mean, there's not a lot of space there usually, right? So when you're getting pressured from behind or pressure from the side, the skill is to still be able to make a play under that kind of pressure. And he's very good at that. Um, he's certainly not scared to, to make plays. Um, and that's what it kind of takes is you, is you got to kind of, it's not high risk, high reward, but essentially it is because he's, He's really not scared to make a mistake. He's a confident kid. Um, he's hilarious. I absolutely love Jack. He's a good buddy of mine. We've come really close over the last uh, month or so. And um, I mean, he's playing good hockey. So he's just, he's going to keep growing and keep getting better every single day. He works hard in practice. He loves the game, loves watching film. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm super excited for him. Blue Jackets forward Max Domi is with us here on the Inside Edge presented by Honda Marysville. And our conversation continues right after this on 97.1 The Fan. This is the Inside Edge presented by Honda Marysville on 97.1 The Fan. Earlier in the show, Jody was talking about fans being back at Nationwide Arena, and I want to remind you that a limited number of single-game tickets are on sale for all remaining home games. To purchase yours, just go to bluejackets.com games. I'm Bob McElligot with Jody Shelley, and we continue our conversation right now with Blue Jackets forward Max Domi. You know, you mentioned that everybody's learning to play center, and you started the year at center and you've been put on the wing and that's where you are on that line, obviously. Um, has that been tough for you uh, wanting to play in the middle of the ice and being on a wing right now, or is it just all about success and team and whatever's working at any given time? Yeah, that's first and foremost, is, is trying to help this team win. So if I'm expected to play in the wing to do that, then, then that's what I'll do. But uh, no, Torts and I have spoke about it. And um, I mean, obviously it's not hard to figure out. I, I didn't have my game and um, it's a tough position to play as we touched on there, but um, he figured just moving me to the wing, try and find my game here and get it going. And then at some point, put me back in the middle. I mean, he's the coach, so he'll make that decision. But uh, when the time's right and if need be, I'll be ready to play back in the middle or stay in the wing. Either one works for me and um, hey, it's all good. Is there anything about playing the center position in his system that's different from the other places that you've been uh, with his demands? Uh, no, I mean, systematically, most teams are pretty similar, to be honest. Um, more so just a mindset of like, you don't want to turn a puck over, you don't want to make a mistake. Um, and, and you are that kind of last line offensively to be responsible defensively and first guy back and all that stuff. And that's just, that comes with playing center. 
Um, and, um, you know, whatever it is, new team, new coach, um, you, you don't want to um, go against that. So um, maybe just the mindset of being a little more confident, playing there and trusting your instincts and, and just, I mean, playing instead of thinking too much. Because when you're thinking, you just, it doesn't matter how fast you are, you're, you're a slow hockey player. Um, so you, you can't think, you just got to react. And um, I'm a player of instincts. If I'm playing with instincts, then usually that's when I'm, I'm at my best. And if all of a sudden you start thinking too much, you take away from those instincts and then you're, you're not the, you're not half the player you should be. So uh, I think that's a lot of kind of what happened. Um, and that's again, a learning curve and something that I got to figure out uh, if I'm going to go back to center at some point, um, I have to be able to just play, play the game and, and not think um, while being responsible, while being offensive and good defensively as well. See, Bob, there's a lot that goes into it. It's not just put your equipment on and get out there. And, and Max, is that what you like about center is the responsibility? Yeah. Yeah. I love center because you, you, you have, I mean, the whole ice, right? And, and you have the puck a lot. Um, you're involved in almost every play. Um, you're not kind of cut in half. And then that being said, uh, especially with our system, is, is towards encourages slashing. So as a winger, it just means as, as a weak side guy coming across and overloading one side. So you're almost like a second centerman, but you're, you're taken off to the, to the neutral zone offensively. Um, so it's not really that much difference in that aspect. But um, certainly I, I, I do love having the puck and, and, when you're when you're feeling good to skate from your own zone to the offensive zone, it's a it's a pretty good feeling and something that I really enjoy doing. And in the past, when I was at my best, it's something that I was doing pretty well. So um, again, I got I got a ways to go before I can get back to that. And, and like I said, if, if if Torts ever decides it's a good idea to put me back in the middle, then I'll be ready to go. Um, but if not, I'll, I'll more than happily play the wing and, and find ways to help this team win on, on on the left side or right side, whatever it might be. I'm going to show that clip to uh, the team, the Pee Wee team that I coach. Because when you move a kid from uh, center to wing, he's, he, he just can't – they just hate it. It just drives him crazy. So I'm like, just play on the wing. You're going to get more chances. Look at Max Domi and look at this attitude that he's got. It's great. We'll go with that. Perfect. Yeah, that, that's great. So now, what, what – t- tell us about the locker room. Because I know things are a lot different. But what's the vibe in there uh, for you? What Kind of where do you where do you fit in? Like, what is your favorite part of getting to the rink today? It's a practice day. Uh, you guys are, you know, in a situation that you're in, you want to catch Chicago, you want to create separation, you got Carolina. What's the feel in there for you and, and what's kind of your role and where you fit in this locker room right now? No, it's, it's a real special group. You know, I said it when I first got here and um, it's, it's, it's always tough when things aren't going great because it brings out, I mean, I guess the worst in everyone. And, and you know what, this team, there's, there's been no negativity. There's been, there's been nothing bad. I mean, everyone's still in this together. Obviously frustration, but we, we all want to win and we all want to get in the playoffs and um, we know we have the group to do that. Um, so it's, it's just trying to stay, stay focused and stay even keel and just trust that, Hey, just keep putting the work in and it's going to come. And, uh, you know, I think the last few games, I mean, playing against Dallas, obviously those are, those are two huge games. And I think both of them, we, we could have obviously won. Um, and Florida before that too, that's, that's a heck of a hockey team uh, that we played some good hockey against them. Um, not a full 60, but definitely some steps in the right direction. So when you, when you, when you break down the game, um, I think it gives our group confidence and it's, it's more fun coming to the rink when you know you're doing things right. And eventually you're going to come versus like, okay, we're not even close. Um, I think we're a lot closer than, than people might think. And, uh, that makes our group feel good. And it's, it's just, it's so much fun coming to this rink with, with this group of guys, because everyone's so happy. Everyone loves each other and we play for each other and, um, certainly a very tight knit group. So, um, I love it and I uh, feel very fortunate to be a part of it. You're obviously, you have leadership qualities. Are you a guy that talks a lot in the room? Or are you a guy that just says, I, I know I'm just, I just got to go do my job today. Put, put passes on, on sticks, score goals, back check. Uh, how do you uh, like to portray yeah, your leadership? 
Yeah, I don't know if I'd call myself like a raw, raw guy. Uh, maybe on the ice or on the bench sometimes. I mean, I, I don't really think about that. I just kind of go into another gear when, when we're playing games. But no, I, 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 I certainly like talking to the guys, like I mean, whether it's one-on-one, whatever it might be, um, and, and having fun. Uh, I mean, we're, we're getting paid to play the greatest game on the planet. So, I mean, what, what better job is there than that? I've never really. There's done. none. There's no better job. There's, there's no better job. So <laughs> you, can't have a, you can't have a bad day in the National Hockey League. Right. Um, I mean, I think a lot of the guys feel that way in that locker room. So it's not hard to really echo that message throughout it. And it's just fun to be a part of um, coming to the rink with a smile on your face every day. And um, it's, it's, it's life is good. Max, I just got two more questions for you. Number one, um, Torch always talks about playing one game at a time, but let's be honest, you're going to get Carolina four times in a row here. This uh, could be a really defining point of the season for you guys right now, where you are, where you want to be and the caliber of the team that you have to play against. How do you keep it at that one game at a time focus? Um, it's pretty simple. You just, you get ready for your next shift and that's it. You don't look too far uh, past that. I mean, everyone's like, Oh, one game at a time. It's really not one period. Not, I mean, it's, it's literally one shift, shift by shift. And you go out and you try and win your shift and, and do your job. And against a team like Carolina, it's it's not like you're just going to be like a home run player. You're going to come out of the gates and it's going to be like, oh, wow, there's like two two-on-ones or whatever it might be. Um, it's it's a chess match against a team like that. They're very well coached. They, they work very hard within their system. It's tough, tough games, and uh, they're a heck of a hockey team. So you got to give them credit, um, but you just got to stick to the game plan, execute your game plan as well as you can, and uh, that's how you set yourself up to give yourself the best chance to, to come out on top. So um, we're going to have to be – really focused and, and ready to go from the puck drop. It's going to be uh, it's going to be a tough match to begin with um, tomorrow. And uh, we're looking forward to that. And then um, after that first shift, we're about the second, after the second, we're about the third and then <laughs> and so forth. So that's how we'll look at it. All right. Last thing I've got for you. And when it comes to them in earlier matchups this year, there have been times that you guys have struggled with their speed, maybe more their quickness, the way that they were you know, playing, they would hem you in your zone. Now, you were talking earlier about the fact you feel you guys are really close now to turning the corner and getting to where you want to be and where you should be as a group. Uh, do you feel Do you feel more confident? Do you feel better going into this game that with the way that you guys are playing as a group, um, you know, in hanging with them and not having those same kind of problems you did a couple of weeks ago? Yeah. Um, you know what? I think you're not looking in the rearview mirror and you're not looking too far ahead like we just talked about. So just – kind of being one with the moment and understanding that, Hey, like we're, we're a good hockey team and, and build that confidence within yourself. And eventually that's going to go from line to line to, I mean, the whole forward group to the whole D group to both goaltenders. And then you got a whole confident team. Once that happens, I mean, I don't care what team you are, what position you are in the standings, you got a chance to win. So um, we just got to go in with that mentality that, Hey, we want to win. Um, we're going to win and um, let the rest take care of itself. Uh, we're not, we're not going to play to be scared to, to lose. We just want to go in and, and try and win a hockey game. We do that. I think we're going to have a good chance. It sounds very simple. Now you just got to go out and execute. Max, thank you so much. Best of luck in Carolina. Thanks, fellas. Thanks, Max. That is Blue Jackets forward Max Domi. And coming up next, we're going to tell you what's going on in the NHL. A coach got fired earlier today. And also, today's St. Patrick's Day, and there's something very special about it. Well, there is to me anyway. I'll tell you what it is when the Inside Edge, presented by Honda Marysville, continues on 97.1 The Fan. Welcome back to the Inside Edge. It's presented by Honda Marysville. You know, Jody, I've got to tell you, 
today being St. Patrick's Day, this is a day that really stands out in my mind. And oh yeah, it's not because I'm Irish. It has nothing to do with that. Um, well, some of it has to do with that. But anyway, uh, really for me, it goes all the way back to March 17th, 2002. You'll never pe- forget that. If people say to me, what is the what is the craziest game that you ever called? It was on St. Patrick's Day in 2002. Uh, you missed it. Yep. It's good you missed it. That meant you were in Columbus, but boy, did you miss it. We were in uh, the Syracuse Crunch was in Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania, taking on the Penguins. And that will forever be known as the St. Patty's Day Massacre. Uh, we'll never have fights like that on the ice again in <laughs> in pro hockey, I don't think. At least not at the American League or the NHL level. But uh, it, it was crazy. And your good buddy David Ling was part of that. Uh, a lot of guys were a part of it. But, um, you know, for anybody that has never seen it, just go on, go online, uh, Crunch, Penguins, St. Uh, Patty's Day Massacre. You'll find it. Brad Wingfield had just come in from <laughs> Elmira after amassing like 400 penalty minutes in the, uh, what was it, the United Hockey League back he then. He was with them. Syracuse, right? Yeah, yeah. He came up because, you know, guys like you were not there. So it was getting near the end of the year. You know how it was in the American Hockey League. You get near – Late March and April, there are guys getting called up to the NHL. You're always looking for players. So, uh, yeah, Brad Wingfield was called up, and, and all he did was fight. He really couldn't skate. He couldn't he, – there wasn't a lot he could do. But, boy, he could fight, and he fought that day. Yeah, he was and, a tough guy. Uh, he fought uh, Steve Parsons, and, and it all started with, you know, Parsons' his jersey was partially off, and he took it off, and then all of a sudden he took off his shoulder pads. And before he knew it, he was bare-chested, and then Wingfield took off all his stuff, and he was bare-chested, and they're squared off on the ice – <laughs> nothing above their their uniform pants and were you going crazy on the call or what oh it was yeah i i don't know where that call is but i i would probably be embarrassed to hear it today to be really? honest with you i bet but you were I, fired up i probably was fired up because back in those days it was uh it was much different and the things you could say you weren't worried about anybody hearing you but your fans so you didn't <laughs> you know what i mean the other team was <laughs> never going to hear it so you didn't care but um yeah, there was that, and then David Ling fought uh, fight uh, Jason McDonald. He fought him. Oh yeah, and, yeah. Two uh, guys from PEI. Those guys are yeah. actually buddies. And McDonald had his. He he was bare chested too. Now Linger wasn't. He still had his equipment on. Um, and then Andre Shrupko, who was a defenseman for the yeah. bench. Andre jumped off the bench. Now this guy didn't fight ever, and he, he jumped tough, off the though. bench. He jumped off the bench to fight. Yeah, he was tough, and he fought McDonald. Now never forget this because. So McDonald was fighting Ling, and then something happened that really drove Shrupko crazy. And and the Ling fight was over with Jason McDonald, and Shrupko jumped on the ice, and he went over and challenged him. And Jason McDonald was completely out of breath, and he was hunched over, and he was breathing hard, and he put up his hand, and he goes, hold on a second. Yeah. Shrupko backed <laughs> off and stood there. And then McDonald, after about 30 seconds, he straightened up. He put his fists up like a boxer, and he said, okay, come on. And then they fought. It was the craziest thing I've wow. ever seen in my life. And I'm there glad was I wasn't a, there. There was equipment. There were bodies. There was blood. <laughs> it was insane. And back at that time, you know, Wilkesbury had just started the, their franchise in 2000, so they were packing the place every night. It was sold out. It was a tough place to go play, and uh, and it was raucous. It was it was crazy. Now I'll, I'll never forget that. And every, of course, on my Twitter feed, every St. Patrick's Day, it reminds me. Just in case I would forget, it reminds me. So. Um, yeah, That's if you would have been there for that one, you would have never forgot it. You oh, been right I'm in the glad I wasn't there, Bob. That's a great story. Those moments, people can't believe that stuff happened. And I, frankly, we all are kind of like, wow, that was 
Can you believe that that happened? But there you go. Your St. Patty's Day memory forever uh, <laughs> from the minors. That's that's fantastic. And some real characters in that game. Those names you mentioned, uh, great guys, but they were they were hard to play against. Yeah, they were. It's ironic because my St. Patty's Day memory has more red than does green in it. So you know, <laughs> go figure. Good point. Uh, let's talk. Let's talk about what's going on in the league. Uh, earlier today, this was kind of a shock. It shouldn't have been a shock when you look at their record. The Buffalo Sabres were winless in 12 games, and they fired their coach, Ralph Kruger. Look, I don't know what's going on in Buffalo, and I know a former teammate of yours, a former Blue Jacket, Kevin Adams, is a GM there. But, like, this team, it, they just cannot get out of their own way. I, they've changed coaches repeatedly. They've changed general managers repeatedly. Uh, they've even changed players repeatedly. And yeah. yet, every year, they find themselves in a hole. But uh, they're in a pretty deep one right now. And I only say it was a surprise that he got fired because it's like hardly anybody's getting fired. He could have gotten fired two weeks ago and nobody would have blinked an eye. So I, I guess I was a little bit shocked that it finally happened today. Well, the heat was turned up and, um, you know, there's some great beat writers around, but Mike Harrington really turned it up. I know he was, he's a buddy of yours from the past and, um, you know, he, he was very straightforward the past couple of days with his writing and, um, when you read what he wrote, you, you know, you're kind of like, yeah, you know, I guess like anything, there, there's an argument for, for everything that's happening. But when you watch how the players uh, play their games, they went into to, uh, New Jersey last night. New Jersey had not won in 12 games at home. Buffalo hasn't won in 11 games. So, who, you know, you shouldn't lose that game in New Jersey and Buffalo loses. That, that's kind of like, OK, our streak continues. Their streak ends, you know you could see it some of the players are just I mean you got Eric Stahl there and it just didn't look like he was interested Stahl guys the, the brothers are always interested so that to me was a big indication Skinner's got one goal he's making nine million a year there's a lot of bad storylines there um, I love what they did in a sense they brought in Dan Girardi who's a former player National Hockey League player he's played in Tampa he played with for the New York Rangers uh, he's going to be an assistant coach I like NHL players around. I really do. And I think in this situation, when I see their, um, when I see their group, there's no reason why Darlene should be leading the league in plus minus at minus. He's almost at minus 30. I mean, this is an offensive defenseman who was brought to Buffalo to save the franchise, so to speak, to help Eichel, um, who's injured right now. But there's no way his numbers should be so low. Skinner shouldn't be so low. There's There has to be a little, uh, a little fluidity with the way they play, a little confidence in how they play. So you bring in a few guys um, that have played in the National Hockey League. Uh, their other development guy, I forget. Do you remember the name of the other guy they hired, the assistant coach? Um, I'll, I'll get it here in a second. But he also played in the National Hockey League. He's a guy that played in Buffalo. So you got two, those two guys as, as assistants. And then Don Granato is the, the, uh, the head coach who actually was here with the chill at one point. A uh, longtime coach who played a little bit. I don't mind that. It's kind of refreshing. They got to do something different. Uh, they relieved Kruger, who I felt bad for. He's an intelligent guy. It just didn't work out. And you look at that situation, and I'm with you, Bob. It's uh, you, you really scratch your head as to what what's happening. But National Hockey League players behind the bench, hopefully, lighten things up for those guys and just let them play the game uh, and see what happens. I mean, losing that many games is tough. You just want to feel good about yourself and win. So we'll see what they do next. Yeah, Don Granato will be the interim coach, as you said. Uh, um, Matt Ellis and Dan Girardi. Yeah, Matt Ellis. Remember Matt Ellis? Yeah. I mean, he's the guy 
uh, a, a scrappy guy. He was doing some things here in Buffalo. But I don't mind this. I think it's a positive move. Yeah, and it's – I mean, and look what they have at the trade deadline too, by the way. Look, you've got – you're not building on much of anything except Jack Eichel, and, and you're stuck with Jeff Skinner at $9 million a year. And you mentioned Eichel certain he's only got two goals. That There's got to be something with that guy. I mean, I know this is not a league where one guy turns a whole team around like the NBA, but my goodness, he's a pretty talented guy, and they've continued to under, underperform a lot. But you've got Eric Stahl that you can uh, – you know, trade at the deadline. Yeah. You've got um, Taylor Hall's on that one-year deal. Yeah. And he went there for Ralph Kruger. So y- you figure it out, right? Um, there are, what I'm saying is there, there are players that you can get pieces and, you know, whether they're draft picks or whether they're young prospect players. Um, I, I imagine that Kevin Adams is going to be really busy here in the next three weeks leading up to the trade deadline. Yeah. And this is, boy, you got to be, what direction do you go? I mean, there's so, you could probably go four different directions with this group and figure out where you're going to end up. So um, he's going to be a busy guy as a rookie GM. We'll see. We'll see how he does. We wish him nothing but the best, of course, as a former Blue Jacket. But uh, he's got his hands full right now. Maybe some good options. But boy, when you start moving big pieces and, and moving things around, you got to be real careful. I, there'd be a lot of nights with no sleep, I bet. And one one of the reasons the people in Buffalo are really upset that this is going on with the Sabers because they've been like this since Terry Pagula yeah. purchased the team. Pagula, after he had the Sabres, went and bought the Buffalo Bills. If you follow the NFL at all, you know the Buffalo Bills are heading in an upward direction. Uh, you know, they, they had a chance to go to the Super Bowl this past season. So they're doing the right things. And I think that further just drives people in Buffalo crazy because, hey, look, you, you fixed the Bills. You've done it over here. You've had 10 years at this, this franchise, and they're not going to the playoffs again. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's frustrating. You know, that's uh, when you have that single ownership, of course. I mean, that's the fan bases, two different fan bases, uh, same expectations. Uh, that's the flack they'll get until they get it right. Yeah, but they can't get too mad at the Pagulas because if they hadn't stepped into Buffalo, who knows if the NHL or the NFL would still be in Buffalo. I mean, they, wow. they have done a lot there. They've developed the downtown. They saved those two franchises. So, yeah, you can get frustrated and you can get mad, but remember what it could have been. Those, right, exactly. They could have been somewhere else, both those franchises. So. They got to get it better, though. They got to get it turned around, Bob. That's a great hockey town, great fans. So, yeah, and, and right there will. on the Canadian border, that's why it gets uh, even more yeah. focus <laughs> and criticism for sure. Jody, thank you very much. Really appreciate Thanks, it. Bob. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of the Inside Edge presented by Honda Marysville. would like to thank uh, Max Domi for being our guest tonight, and thanks to you for being there as always. For Jody Shelley, I'm Bob McElligot saying so long, and thanks for listening to 97.1 The Fan.